This comes from my grandmother's house. It is a uh, beat up football helmet um, that is a actual piggy bank from the American National Bank and Trust Company. Beat up, the stopper has to be taped on. It uh, still rattles because I put some coins in here. And when my grandmother passed away, I, I chose to keep this out of uh, various heirlooms at my disposal because it reminds me of life lessons of frugality. What you hear are dimes. I put dimes in here because my grandmother put dimes in here. And what I do is I, uh, I take these little sleeves uh, and uh, that says dimes on it. And when I feel that this is heavy enough, I roll them into this, these little sleeves and then I take them to the bank. Why? Because that's what I saw my grandma do. I saw her uh, with a gigantic three feet uh, plastic piggy banks, you know, uh, like a Coca-Cola bottle or something. And she would save pennies in there. Cause you know, the, the lower the, you know, value of the coin, the more of it you need. So she would have these gigantic piggy banks and pennies. And then she would have something a little bigger uh, or smaller really for nickels, something smaller for dimes. And then she would have something for quarters. I miss the life lessons that I got from my, my grandmother. She always seemed to have answers, you know. She always seemed to have wisdom and provided for me and my family at a time where, or really all the time, wisdom and guidance from her days of growing up in El Salvador, having a very meager means, becoming a nurse, coming to the United States, having a career, bringing her family. And yet still inside of her was someone who understood scarce resources, understood the importance of saving the pennies that we toss, uh, the nickels, you know, the quarters and the dimes. It's safe to say that life was definitely her heritage. She always tried to make sure that we had enough. We had enough food, we had enough uh, money, and she'd often go without to take care of us. Like we, we knew that if we got stuck, we knew that we can go to her. I miss having someone like that in my life. Someone who seemed to have the answers, someone who seemed to have, uh, 
you know, everything figured out. Maybe not perfectly, and then and no world powers would ever know her, but for me, my grandmother was a great comfort in life and a great resource to learn how to survive. I really do miss that. On a day like this, across the world, or at least across the United States, we, we often celebrate mothers. And I would like to celebrate mothers too. If you're watching this, on this day, on Mother's Day, I wanna wish you a, a happy Mother's Day. If, even if you're not a mother, even if you do not have a child that you have born within you and that you carried and, and brought into the world, I believe that God invested in women skills and sort of inner core that makes it so that life is a woman's heritage. It's, it's built into the DNA of who they are. Now you might say, I know plenty of women who shouldn't be mothers. I mean, I can remember as a child growing up watching Mommy Dearest. I never wanted a wire hanger ever because in that movie, the mother was so controlling and so mean that she wanted her child to be the best and have the best and having clothes hanging on wired hangers was a sign of carelessness and poverty and and it just she she whooped her child pretty good and that might be a, a, a theatrical extreme but sometimes we we hold that in us thinking, wow, some women that could be mothers don't get to have children. Some women that maybe shouldn't have children do, and it frustrates us. But I think at the core though, it's because we see in women and men, but in women, we see something that God invested in the first woman, Eve, that life is her heritage. In, in our day and time when we as a society and as you know global culture have been wrestling with sexual identity and gender issues there's one fundamental truth that I want to bring up men biological males cannot have children that is something that biological women can. And as a part of that, they are hardwired and connected to the child that grows within them. And I believe that that, that connective social tissue is the glue that keeps society together. And God intended for that when you read scripture in the beginning of the Bible, when you read about God created the heavens and the earth, and you read about how God you know, made the stars and the sun and the moon and the planets, and, and you read about how God made the heavens above and the heavens below and the waters below, and he separates the dry land from the water, and on the dry land he puts on the creeping things, the large animals, the beasts, the cattle, the trees, the, the flowers, everything. You begin to... See that earth is full of life, teeming with life. Teeming with life. 
the, the creatures that swarm in the seas, the creatures that swarm in the sky. And on the sixth day, after making man and saying it was not good for the man to be alone, creating the iconic binary relationship of man and woman, he then gives Adam for a bride this woman. The man and the woman. Adam and then the woman who he later names Eve because she is the mother of all the living, are joined together in an intimate relationship of marriage in Genesis chapter 3, excuse me, 2. And it says, For this reason shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. Throughout Scripture, you read about this oneness, like in Malachi chapter 1, and how God intended that humanity should come together in these marriage bonds to bring forth godly children. Children that reflect the character and nature of God. That puts a massive responsibility on parents. That puts a massive responsibility on, on each of us individually. But what I want to tie into this idea today that, heritage, that the heritage of a woman is, is life is that in all of creation, right, whether you see these places where life swarms and, and breeds and grows, it is only within the womb of a woman that the next generation of humanity begins. And as a result of that, we, we see even in the birthing process this, you know, for some of us, a, a very hard thing to look at or even be a part of, but for some of us, we can see the miracle at, at hand and at work there. When a new life emerges into the world, it's ironic that the creature that, is the mo that will be the most powerful being that can impose their will on the earth and creation emerges as the most defenseless creature. Can't stand, can't even hold their neck. They're just wobbling around. And the first person who brings love, connection, community, and love is the woman. All the important essentials to society. Things that have become fields of human study, sociology, psychology, are all practically wrapped up in mom. Without having to study or learn. Fully equipped to give us connection and unity and being be grounded in our world. I think Adam was amazingly accurate for, for the massive failure in the garden. He was massively correct. 
when he, according to the duty given to him, to name the animals or the living things on the earth, he named her Eve. A word that possibly means life itself. And as the role, as the iconic woman par excellence, she provides that life is her heritage. I don't think that's an accident then. That when you read throughout scripture, how even in the story of redemption, you have the woman as a figure, as a silhouette of all women before and after all women today, would be the, the, the vehicle, the vessel through whom our Savior would be, would be here, welcomed by creation, by the one who was able to create. Mary. She is the, not the anti-Eve, but she's in the story in the vein of Eve, able to do this motherly duty. And we see this carried out throughout Scripture. We see, for example, in the book of Proverbs. You know, Proverbs is a really amazing book because it, it provides for us guidance and in a very common sense kind of way, a divine common sense where we, we learn about the importance of chasing after wisdom and we learn the importance of staying away from folly, foolishness. And foolishness not just about making mistakes, but, but moral failure, moral foolishness. And in the first nine chapters of Proverbs, which really opens up the rest of the book in the kind of dual sayings, you know, one minute you have one statement, the next minute you might seem a, like a contradictory statement, and it's all about perspective and the moment you, you need to apply. Like, you know, answer, do not answer a fool according to his folly. But then the next verse might say, answer a fool according to his folly. It's not a contradiction. The person didn't lose their mind from one verse to the next. But it's about perspective. There's a time to do that and time to not. When we get into the, the speeches in Proverbs chapter chapters 1 through 9, there is this powerful invitation to a son to gain wisdom and gain knowledge and learn the fear of the Lord and guess who's there to provide guidance, to provide life, to provide instruction, to provide the survival techniques of a wise person, mom. See, it, we're not just talking about biological life as, as a woman's heritage. That would just make her like a tool, like a, like a spoon, you know, like just some utensil. That's not what she is. She's a powerful force, image of God, the A to our B. She is a teacher and bringer of life. And so when you see mom and dad teaching this son who is supposed to be this example of all of us trying to make it in this world and trying to figure out what's the right choice, what's the wrong choice. It's mom and dad. And the son is reminded, do not forget the wisdom of your father and your mother. Do not leave without 
the insight or the commandments of mother and father. I mean, what is the, what is the first few commandments about our human relationship about in the, in the book of Exodus? You shall honor your father and your mother. I didn't even have to tell you. You said that. Why? That it may go well with you, that you may live long upon the earth. Paul picks up on that in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, when he talks about, you know, he, for, he of course will talk about different family relationships, but he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right, this is proper. Why? That you may live long upon the earth. And parents, do not provoke your children. Do not provoke them. Why? Because when you do that, you make them embrace the other side. Not life, but death, foolishness, sin. So this today, on this day, I, I, I just want to bring to your thinking today that when we're dealing with, you know, life, God has built into it our intimate connections. And sometimes we have relics. Sometimes we have things that remind us of teachings and guidance. And sometimes we have things like this that rattle. But then we have the scriptures. God's reminders that women and their heritage is about life. Jesus said that he came to give us life and that to the full, life abundantly. You know, and it's amazing that the very trait of a woman is a defining characteristic of Christianity. Life. Eternal life. So when we think about today, we, we, we have this, these more intimate times we're connected. Or even if you can't say hi to your mother, you know, with a hug or something. Maybe you do it on a Zoom or a call or a chat. Maybe you don't have right now someone to celebrate you as mother. Maybe it's because this is one of the hardest days in your life because your children went before you. You know, please remember, please remember that you are valued and that you are loved and that the life you bring into the world is not forgotten and that that love that you have, you can share and change someone else's life that perhaps doesn't have a mother. We can all learn from that, I think. So today, I leave you with these words. May you remember that God gave us life and that God at every turn in our lives gives us moments to see the beauty of his love as it's reflected in the, in the mother's love. Thank you and may God bless you.